Thank you for joining us on our journey here to preserve the history of mixed martial arts. When I wanted to take on this project, I needed help. I brought in one of my favorite matchmakers, Miguel Iterate, and the MMA detective, Mike Davis. So to do this, we've been able to preserve history. Welcome and enjoy. You can lean over. Just, just talk normal. You should be all right. Yeah, it'll, it'll get you from Hey, listen, Mike, if you're going to be bossing me around <laughs> like my fucking girlfriend, listen. Yeah, check that. This thing ain't going to go nowhere, motherfucker. <laughs> Boss me around. I don't like being bossed around. Never like being bossed around. That's what made me motherfucking champ. Yeah. Uncoachable. Fucking bullies. Uncoachable. Uh-huh. Do I have regrets? I don't know. Uh, yeah, but uh, mistakes. Different choices I would have made, but... I did all right. I did all right with my own coaching, and I picked my coaches. Yeah. I picked my fucking coaches. I thought the dog was gonna chew your hat. Who I listen to. Yeah. Don't chew my hats. Yeah, right. Don't don't chew my hat, Tank. Beat it. So, Mark, you started your wrestling career at Fremont St. Joseph Central Catholic High School. Um. You once stayed a few times there what, what was your was that your entry into wrestling or did it start prior to that it's a complicated question yeah let me get one more let me ask you one more time i'll ask you a different way i'll just is that it? Let me just flow and yeah, just go. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, here, here I we go. Think about my answers and flow with them. Yeah, I got. I got just straight answers. No, here we go. I can do. That, I got this. No, I want. I want everything. I'm gonna, I'll spit out the answer and you edit it. You get the question and all of a sudden you edit the, my answer. I got. Let me. Here we go. I, I think he actually wants you to abbreviate the name of his high school. I don't think. He okay, we'll do that. that. All right. Give a fuck. That's my high school. I'm very, very proud of. Should be St. Joe Central Catholic High School. That's where, I, that's where I did get my start. So, so Mark, you got your start. You want me answering the question? I got you. Or are you going to be in the video, Mike Davis? I might be a little bit. But you got oh, your start. Man. You got your start. You serious? Your first taste <laughs> of championship. Like, uh, your palate got wet with the championship. Yeah. Your first time yeah. at uh, Fremont St. Joseph High School. That wasn't the first time my palate got wet. When was it? My first time was, uh, I don't know, when, right when I came out of my mama's <laughs> shoe. Uh, no, I came out and the doctor slapped me in the ass, made me cry. I didn't like that. I, I didn't like that. And, you knew right uh, then, huh? I knew right then I needed to get bigger and stronger because I'm going to... Come back and straighten that motherfucker I'm gonna, out? I'm going to get that doctor back. That was really... A, I mean, truthfully, that, 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 uh, that's the way I thought. Yeah. You know, of course, I don't remember day one, but I remember day five, five years of age. I knew I didn't like nobody being able to intimidate me, maybe bully me. I didn't get bullied, but I mean, even just a bigger dude being able to uh, intimidate me. So my, I knew at a young age, I need to get bigger, stronger, and faster. And I lived with that for pretty much getting goosebumps thinking about it. Yeah. That's awesome. That, that, that was my answer all my problems. Been a way of life. Yeah. Bigger, stronger, faster. Yeah. And uh, I could do 100 push-ups when I was five. I do remember that. My memory's not that great, but yeah. 
was five years old, I could do a hundred in a row. Damn. Because I got a dollar bill for my uncle. Yeah. And a dollar bill back then was a lot of money. Yeah. And maybe that's why he came out missing in the morning. Because my, yeah. my dad needed it. But my dad, he didn't have to push me. My dad didn't have to push me. Because I knew what I wanted. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to be a uh, NFL football player, major league baseball player, uh, um, Olympic champion, but I also wanted to be the toughest man in the world. Yeah. It was no sport, but I still wanted to be that guy because I didn't want nobody to be able to bully me. You put the skills together before there was a such thing as MMA. Before you even see the yeah, hurt the mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Wrestling, uh, wrestling gave me the mindset. Football was great. I yeah. love killing people. Yeah. But it was, uh, you had eleven teammates or ten teammates. Yeah. Baseball, same thing. Wrestling, I fell in love with that because it was me. We had a team. Yeah. Everybody, we were a team. But when it comes down to it, it's you and the singlet. And uh, when I started, we used to wear tights. Yeah. And love them in tights. It's like a, a gi. Yeah, yeah. But they weren't so cute. So they took the tights off, and uh, I wanted to be the best in the world. At everything. At everything. I just wrestling. Football, baseball, wrestling, and fighting. There was no sport, but that's what I wanted to be. So, so Fremont St. Joseph Central Catholic High School, you won uh, two state titles. And um, I think you got put in their Hall of Fame as well. Am I correct with that? Who's Hall of Fame? Fremont's, Fremont St. Joe, my high school? Yeah. Yeah. They, they finally put me in. Uh, they had to think about it because you know, I made some mistakes. But uh, yeah, I finally got in there. They're only, they're only ever state champion at the time. But sometimes it's not just what you do in athletics, it's what you do outside. And so they have to wait for the statute of limitations to run out. I made some mistakes. You know, I made some mistakes. And uh, yeah, I got inducted. It was, a, it, was a, it was a big, big, big day. Big day for my parents. Big day for my family. But at the same time, I got to go back to St. Joe. And now I have to get up in front of people. I got to give a speech. I didn't like doing that. Yeah. I didn't feel comfortable getting in front of people, talking. I felt comfortable on the football field, on the baseball field, and I felt real comfortable walking out to a wrestling mat. That's where I was comfortable with. But you got to do the other things. You know, uh, I could never do my best and thank everybody. Thank my coaches. Thank Fremont. Thank Fremont St. Joe. But I was... I was, I was looking, looking always, 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 I was looking for the bigger goal. You, you achieve your goals, I became a state champ. Are you kidding me? I became a state champ probably before I thought I would be one. Sophomore year in high school. You're one of the toughest states in the country. For wrestling, for sure. Ohio yeah. is the, well, I'm going to throw up Pennsylvania. Ohio, Pennsylvania, young kids. It's, it's the, the toughest, toughest wrestling state in the country. But what, what my issue was, I went, I went to Fremont St. Joe. Joe. My, my mom was at, 
small Catholic, Catholic school. My, my daddy was from Fremont Ross, the D1, big, big school in town. Well, my mom went out and went to St. Joe. I had to wear a, a blazer and a tie and, and gray, gray pants every, every damn, damn day. day. But uh, had, had to go to church, church three times a week. week. Yeah. You know, it was good, good for me, real good, good for me. But I was always thinking about after school, what am I going to do after school? I'm not, not going to go chase chicks. I'm going I'm to prepare to be the best. So my daddy, I was doing push-ups all that stuff as a five-year-old. When I was 10, my dad, uh, he got me a set of weights, put them down in the basement. Not, not a lot of people were lifting weights at the time, but I knew bigger, stronger, faster. Yeah, was your dad into lifting too, or that was just your weights? Like, that was just your space now? My dad was a great athlete. athlete. Yeah. He, was he was a great, great athlete. athlete. Uh, he was a uh, uh, tailback, state wrestler. wrestler. But he, he came, came down with polio in the eighth grade. So, so back, back then, then polio killed, killed people. Yeah. It didn't, didn't kill, kill him. He fought it. When, when he came, came back, he didn't have his speed anymore. It took a lot from his legs. He didn't have his speed. So my dad... 155-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-165-
I didn't bully people. You know, look, I, I, if I had to, look, okay, so you're 25 or 26 at this time, so I'm imagining Kevin Randleman is somewhere in your life. He comes into the picture real soon. If you let me finish my fucking story, no, 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 no. Kevin Randleman comes back. No, to the, Kevin Randleman came with me to the scene of the crime two years later. <laughs> this that's is a, this that's is a, what I want to know. This is a legendary that's, story. All right, so there we okay, go. So, anyways, I stand up. I stand up, and it, and the the chief of police is in my face, and and I had to back. It's over. You know, fight's over. This and that. So, me and my people. We went, went to our after fight party, <laughs> and him and his people, they went to the, I had, I had a home of Mark Coleman's sign sitting in the corner of the fairgrounds when you enter the town, right? National champion, boom. Well, me and my people went to our place and we celebrated victory, in my opinion. Not really victory, but that last punch you drew a little cut, I said, that's a check. But, uh, him and his people went to my sign, and uh, they could have took spray paint and really did some graffiti on no, it. I would have got a kick out of it if they did. But so what they did do, they took a bed sheet, home of Mike Overmeyer. And they strapped it over top of my name. I didn't know this. I'm out here hanging out, went to bed, woke up in the morning. And uh, geez, I had to recap what all happened last night to make sure I didn't win because I thought, oh, did you lose last night? No, but uh, so, so I, I go, go into Fremont. Hey, hey, a secret like that is not a secret. The whole town, the whole town knew. The whole town had heard about it, but he got his story out first. You got your ass whooped last night, Mark Holman. I was crushed. I couldn't have that on my record. No, no, no. My daddy was undefeated on the streets. I'm gonna be undefeated on the streets. I didn't, I didn't lose last night, night, but everywhere I went, people brought up that story to me. So I, had, I spent two years defending myself. They had a scratch on my face. I mean, that kind of... They did get two takedowns, but they were kind of... You got the reversal. You got the reversal. You're responsible for what happens to you. He got the takedowns because I should have been in my stance. Don't ever get out of your stance. Ever. I didn't, I didn't think... No excuses. I didn't, I didn't think, think he was going to two-hand shock me. And boom. But I did recover very fast. I was on top. But um, everywhere he... So this drove me nuts. I'm 25 years old. And this consumed my brain. That my whole hometown thinks I got whooped by Mike Overmeyer. I didn't get whooped. So I'm going back for revenge someday. <laughs> So, so it's two, two years, years later. later. <laughs> so, so two years later. <laughs> Some very particular day. The yeah. same, the <laughs> same <laughs> fairgrounds, the same week. Same party? And I got, I got a new friend. friend. I, didn't I didn't need him. him. I, didn't I didn't need Kevin Ramblin. I just, I just needed him, him to, to be with, with me. And uh, so Ramblin, Ray, Ray Mendoza, he talked talk to two badass bad killers. killers. So, so you went there to settle the story. So we got in the car. I said, I'm heading back to Fremont. I got a... I gotta settle this shit. shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I picked up my buddy Scott Sowers, a big, well-known. I'm about to get arrested. I need you guys to watch. Well-known <laughs> tough guy. I have my seven-year-old great uncle with me who was just hanging out with me for. We'll call him the referee. We'll call him the referee. Oh, he okay. was the referee. Okay. Okay. He begged me to chill out. <laughs> you know, but. 
so we, we get, get there, there and, uh, it's, it's early, early. It's, it's just, just about, about dusk. dusk. You know, the sun's settling, and it ain't time, time for like a. It's, it's one, one o'clock. The last fight happened at one a.m. I came into town at nine, just for eight eight p.m. The sun's settling. And I pulled into the. There was no big party going on. I was just there's the camper. Yeah. And here's my group. I want. Let's, Let's do it, do it again, again, my friend. friend. And then, then the winner, winner goes tells, tells the story. <laughs> Somehow, like, like I said, a small town, town people, people heard I was coming. coming. You know, people, people heard, heard I was coming. coming. I didn't, I didn't know, know this. So I pulled in there. And I told Randall, I said, go get that dude out of the camper. He went up there. He was nowhere to be found. Maybe. Maybe he was scared. I don't know. He wasn't there. But, but uh, uh, um, his, his wife, wife and, and uh, his, his wife's friends, friends they, they were there. And I noticed, noticed they, all they all had weapons in their clubs. I still put my money on you, on you and Randall. Man. I don't care what they this got. This is yeah. an easy fight. And weapons are yeah. just going to get in the way. For sure. But, but I realized, damn. And sure enough, enough uh, the same, same cop came. came. Two years, Two years later, later, he came forward. Before, before he went, went down, down and, he and he got, got my face, face and, and he, he, he said, said, come on, Mark, we need to go, go up on this hill and have a little talk. talk. And, and he, he, told he told me, he goes, because I thought I was the toughest guy in the world. You know, one, one day I went up on the hill with this big dude and I lost. I lost, Mark. He just got to accept it. And I'm like... Wait, wait, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting, expecting that. I'm like, wait, wait a second. He's not even talking about legal stuff. <laughs> like a coach. He just told me I had to accept losing to Mike Overmeyer. And then I lost my mind. Look, Dana, I didn't lose. I'm like, damn, I can't believe it. What am I going to do? Because, yeah, the Freeminers weren't so happy with Mark Coleman's... Antics at this time. Well, well, now we know Obermeyer left the toughest person in his family, his wife, to fight the to second fight you, fight yeah. war. <laughs> left his wife uh, unattended. You can, you can come, come to that conclusion if you want. Maybe, maybe he was just busy taking, taking a piss or something. I don't we'll, know. we'll call her a corner person yes. in this fight. <laughs> they, all they all knew I was coming. coming. I didn't have no clue, clue but I, I, I realize now, now yeah, yeah, when you word, word gets out. out. But anyway, it didn't happen. I walk, I walk into, into the, the fairgrounds. Fair <laughs> I walk into the fairgrounds and I walk into the fairgrounds and I can feel eyeballs all along. I can see the police saying, Mark Holmes here. I'm walking in. I'm walking in and finally, finally, the chief of police comes out. He says, Coleman, come here. We got to talk about this. And he took me into his office. He said, what in what the fuck, fuck are you concerned, concerned about this for? You're about to go to the Olympics. I said, because I'm undefeated. <laughs> said, who cares? You know, who cares? You know, you know, dude, dude, let, let it go. go. And, uh, well, well, it was, it was exactly, exactly what I needed because that night of two years of just every day eating my mind up there, everybody thought I got woke. I couldn't handle it. And then I went back there. I let, I let it, it be known. known. And, and uh, uh, old uh, Dana, Dana Dorsey, Dorsey Chief, Chief of Police. Raise your hand. hand. Well, well, he's, he's, I'm concerned. Well, well, I walked out and I said, he's right. He's right. The, the fuck? 
don't have to worry, worry about, about that for, for you. you. got the Olympics coming up, dude. <laughs> so, so, catch a case. So, so, so whatever. Kind of, kind of relieve my, my brain from, from that. that. There's always going to be a curveball. I couldn't hit a curveball very well in baseball. Luckily, I stole signs like the Houston Astros. Yeah. You know, legally, first base coach. If that catcher leaves out the one, one for fastball, two, two for curveball, and he leaves it hanging out there, that's part of the game. You don't, you don't want to do it with video like the Astros did. They're in a lot of trouble now. But when, but I knew when I knew fastball, fastball was coming, I could smash that son of a bitch, but not so much. I could smash that fastball, but couldn't hit a curveball very well, so I just laid off. So when you know a curveball is coming, they always are in life. Prepare. 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 One, one, one battle. battle. You think you, think you win, win that battle, that battle. You, you think you're... you're, you're I felt, I felt good for a while, while guess but guess what? The next battle was right around the corner the very, the very next, next day. day. Prepare. Prepare. Preparation. Preparation. preparation for anything you're going to do. So, so speaking of preparation, your senior year at OSU, you transferred in, you're with a whole new group of people. Mm -hmm. I'm sure... Uh, I'm sure that kind of had to affect your psyche to uh, to a degree. I mean, you're the new kid on the block. What's, What's the, question? the question? So, well, you you already wanted to do a double leg on me. No, so. no I'm just curious. So, so, so you're saying so I, came, I, I, I came there intimidated? No, I, my thing is, a little bit. How difficult was it for you to adjust? Uh, From Miami of Ohio to Ohio State, there's a big jump. Look, when I was at Miami of Ohio, by the time I was a junior in college. I was, I was preparing, preparing to be the toughest man on the planet since I was five years of age. <laughs> I never declared myself that as a freshman in college. I still felt like there was some, most of my wrestling buddies, because I always held them in high standards, few wrestlers that I probably can't take yet. Sophomore year, I got bigger. I got stronger. I'm faster. I had a great sophomore year at Miami. It didn't make All-American. Came close. Uh... I got bigger, stronger, faster in the offseason. My junior year, I ended up fourth in the country, All-American from Miami, Ohio. Nobody knew Mark Coleman. Well, now I'm on the map. Now everybody knows Mark Coleman because the three guys ahead of me are all seniors. I'm coming back ranked number one in the country. Oh, wow. As a senior. Well, I knew my ticket was punched. I loved my coach at Miami, but at the same time, uh, I butted heads with everybody. But I, I just kind of let him know, I ain't, my Olympic dream, I need to, sorry, I need to get out of my Ohio because they're, I'm looking at bigger goals, Ohio State, now they're going to take me. I'm coming back national champ, so yes, I kind of got through to them and uh, transferred and well, after I took fourth in the country, that's when I declared myself the toughest man on the planet. I thought I was. I don't know if I was, but I certainly thought I could whoop anybody's ass in the world. Even my bigger, badass wrestlers, I thought I had the little extra. Take away the wrestling rules, I'll get you, Bruce Baumgartner, you 275-pound monster wrestler. I'm a fighter. But, uh, and eventually you'd prove you could do that, too. Yeah. Eventually. So I, I transferred to Ohio State, and uh, uh, yes, it's a change of scenery. Um, Were you intimidated by the change? Well, I, I just, not intimidated by the people I had to face. I already knew I could beat everybody in that room. I was intimidated by transferring to a big college, a big, huge campus. Uh, I got to keep my grades up. The problem with 
not the problem, but the problem that I felt was I got to stay eligible. I didn't like school. Let's be real. I was just trying to stay eligible to be a national champ, to be an Olympic champ. And I still had dreams of playing in the NFL. I went to college on a wrestling scholarship, but I my original plan was take a year off from football, get a little bigger, stronger, faster, and then try out for the football team. Well, I found wrestling to be pretty much a year-round deal. I, that's one of my regrets. I wish I would have walked on that football field because I honestly believe I would have been playing linebacker in the NFL. I transferred to Ohio State, bigger school, bigger campus. I was stressed about that kind of stuff. You know, as far as when I walked into that restroom at Ohio State, oh no, I felt real com I feel real comfortable walking into pretty much any gym. And at that point I walked in there and I'm the man. So and, and I'm 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 gonna show everybody else how to become the man. I became a I was always a coach. Coach myself. I was called uncoachable. I listened to some coaches. Big names. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, you gotta pick and choose who you listen to because some coaches don't know what they're doing. But I, I have my own game plan. Like that hat you got on, you know? You West Side Burbo. You listen to the right coach, you know. Uh, I had that offer. Yeah. I stayed away from Louis Simmons. Yeah. I was intimidated by Louis Simmons. Big, big, big mistake. I should have hooked up with Louis Simmons. I was training hard. I wasn't afraid to train hard. I heard about these crazy hundred set squats at Louis Simmons's, and uh, I'm 35-ish. I didn't go do it, but that hundred sets, hundred squat set, oh, it was as hard as it sounds. Imagine doing a hundred set squats. I avoided it. I was working hard, but he would have turned me into a. I did pretty good. But if I would have let, if I would have, if I could go back, I would have, I would have learned. I learned from a lot. I had some great coaches, Russ Ellison, Dan Gable, he's my man. Dan Gable, I had him for two weeks to Pan American Games. That man changed, changed my whole outlook on everything. Um, Dave Schultz, Fox Catcher. Fox Catcher, yeah. He was 10 years older than me. But he took me under my wing, under his wing, he guided me. And uh, um, Pat Militech, he... Those are all special people you're Pat Milich, I'm yeah. naming some big names, yeah. I don't want to leave anybody out, but these are names that are popping in my head. Pat Militech, uh, I'm coming off a four or five losing streak. I'm in the Pride Grand Prix. I prepared for eight months. Everybody counted me out. Everybody said the hammer's dead at 32 years of age. I'm washed up over the hill dead. Now, I just gotta fix things. I started fixing them on my own. I had an eight month training camp. Pride pulled me in that tournament. They did not want me to win that tournament. They pulled me in that tournament because I had a big name. They wanted Mark Kerr to win, Igor Bochanchin to win, maybe Sakuraba to win. Um, they're going to put me in there as a big name. Well, I'm going to ruin your plans, Pride, because I trained like it was a, a six-month wrestling season getting ready for nationals. I grinded, grinded, grinded. And in the last two weeks, I called Militech and said, uh, he had always been offering, come on up here, Coleman, learn something, dude. Uh, I think I got this. 
you know, but no, I, I decided to cruise in the military just for the last two weeks of camp. But usually, a lot of times, the last two weeks of camps, I'm still trying to get in shape, get my cardio up there. But my cardio was on point already. So Militech had two weeks with me to basically learn what the hell I could do and what I couldn't do. And the dude was a master. And he figured out the hammer. And when I was in that cage, I didn't listen to my cornerman. Uncoachable. I didn't listen to my cornerman. And I didn't think I was listening to Pat Militech. I was out there, I was out there on autopilot, instinctually doing it. But then I, when I watched the fights, in Japan, it's silent. You can hear everything. Well, I didn't realize it, but when I went back and watched my three fights to the finals, Pat Militech was calling shit out to me because he knew me. He learned me real quick. And I was doing it, not knowing that I was hearing it from him. And uh, it was on point. I owe him I owe him some paycheck for that. I apologize. Thank you. We'll call I, it thank you. Don't say paycheck. We'll no, say I, owe him a, I, I owe him a paycheck. But, but man, thank you, Pat Militech. Thank you, Pat Militech. And we did it. We did it, man. I need to shut some motherfuckers up. Everybody said that hammer's dead. I'm not dead. You just don't know it. And then I came in and shut some people up. And let me tell you something, I had some good highs in my life, but that was a good fucking high because I'll let you know when I'm finished. I was still saying that when I was 44, 45, but finally the Lord pulled the plug on me. He pulled the plug on me. You got to get, get a hip replacement it's older, Coleman. It was just pulled for me so quick. So I did my whole life. Wrestling, be Olympic champion, be the best, be the best. I came close. I took second in the world in wrestling. Damn, it was great. At the time, it felt sad, but really, after about a couple hours, I'm like, I can't believe I took second. You know, it ain't as bad as it sounds. Losing sucks, but this guy was better. He was flat out better than me. Then I'm walking into the cage 30 days later after Richard Hamilton. Found me at the Olympic trials in 96, lost, snatched me up into a room. I told Richard Hampton, I'll beat the hell out of Don Fry. I'll beat the hell out of Mark Kerr. I'll beat the hell out of Tom Erickson. Where do I sign that horribly one-sided contract? Which I didn't even read. I didn't get it. <laughs> should admit it. Yeah. He looked at me and said, well, don't you want to take this home? Let your attorneys look at it. I said, I don't care what it says. I want in that tournament 30 days. And I'm sure Mark Kerr and Tom Harrison, I'm sure they want to take it home and let their attorneys look at it. But we only have 35 days, dude. I'm going to be walking in a cage now. And I just said, well, just so we know, the, the kind of game plan is, because I was uncoachable. I didn't like, dude, this guy want to teach me everything about MMA. And Conor already got my game plan down, buddy. But... Uh, he said, uh, I said, just so, I said, the game plan is for me to blast this dude with a double leg and then pound the fucking shit out of him. <laughs> he looked at me like, sounds he, like he would win. He, he had a big smile, he had a big fake set of teeth. Richard Hammond, he's like, well, yeah, kind of, but I'm going to show you some other stuff in there. I'm like, okay. 
Yeah, you can show me some other stuff. That's fine. So you meet Richard Hamilton at the Olympics, and um, he's your first manager. And he also does he like at one time Hammer House was a brick and mortar gym. Am I correct? What the, the fuck does brick and mortar mean? An actual place to work out at. Was it just the name of a team? Was it just the name of a team? You guys had an actual spot. Is this a trick question? I'm trying to get you to talk I about. I'm trying to get you to talk about <laughs> Richard Hamilton. Everybody wants, everybody wants to know where the Hammer House is located. Yeah. Well, it's invite only. Okay. The Hammer House was invite only. So, wherever the Hammer House gym was wherever the fuck I was at. <laughs> it was a mobile gym. <laughs> wherever, wherever I was at, that was the Hammer House gym. No, they're, they're, they're okay, okay, so they're, the Hammer House gym, I, I thought of that, because I went to see 10, 11, 12, all of a sudden, yeah, things are getting big. Russell's not used to this kind of cameras in your face and all that. It was a good feeling. Wow. We, we didn't, didn't get noticed. noticed. All those wrestlers, we all knew we were the baddest. MF was on the planet. Okay, but we didn't get noticed because it's boring. It's, it's, it's on, it's on, it's on, it, if you don't know how to wrestle, you ain't going to watch two dudes. They want to call it hugging. Trust me, it's some hard-ass hugging. But uh, the karate school in every corner of every city, there's a karate school. Us wrestlers didn't really love that idea because we knew we could walk in there and smash every one of them. But the they got to school was karate. I respect karate. But if that's all you know is karate, you're in big fucking trouble. And uh, so, so, after the Olympic trials, I win UFC 10, 11, 12, uh, and also I get a phone call. From, from somebody, somebody over, over in Brazil. Brazil. Hey, Mark Coleman. Hey, Mark Coleman. Uh, uh, we want to fly you to Brazil and uh, pay you to come make, make an appearance. <laughs> Business class? You know, you're going to fly me first class to Brazil and pay me to come hang out? Man, this is a different world. This ain't going to the Sun Kissed Open wrestling tournament and having four dudes stuffed in your own room. No, no, they're, they're going to fly me to Brazil, Brazil. I'm going to have my own room, business class, and they're going to pay me to hang out and watch some fights. fights. I said, yeah, sounds, sounds great. great. But then they said, well, do, do you, you have any fighters? fighters? I, I just simply, simply said, I said, yeah, I got a lot of boys. A lot of my friends can fight. Simple, Simple as that. that. <laughs> and so, so that's, that's when I called... Kevin and the Monster Ramble. We, we hadn't seen, seen each other for two years. He graduated from college. He went back to his hometown. I'm at Ohio State. We're both uh, trying to find our way in this life. Yeah. And I said, what's up, Kev? I said, what are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good, man. Training hard. I always said he's training hard. He might have been swinging a 40-ounce. Who the fuck knows? But I said, uh, I said, I said well, well, I just got, got an offer over in Brazil, Brazil eight-man tournament. tournament. I said, you, you want to fight? He, he tells a different version of the story. If you, if you go, go back and read his version on my first call to Kevin Randleman, he, he claims he said, well, well, I don't know, you know, this and that. No, no, no. Randleman, I remember exactly what you said. You said, fuck yeah, I'm in. 
I'm, I'm in. in. And I, I said, well, well listen, dude, what have you been up to? to? Ain't, Ain't seen you in two years. years. Trying hard. I'm in great shape. I said, well, look, dude, if I'm going to do this, because I don't know the people that can put in this tournament. I got, I got a lot, a lot of friends, friends that can fight. fight. Well, I remember the first thing that popped in my head. Boyce Alger was right, right up there to it. Bro, Boyce my good friend, friend, Iowa. But, but uh, I said, all right. I said, uh, well, guess, guess what, Kevin? You're going to have to move back down, down to Columbus tomorrow. Which, which tomorrow was an exaggerated answer. He ain't coming anywhere in one day. You know, but I said, Kevin, I'll put you in this tournament, but you need to get your ass back to Columbus because I need to. Keep an eye on your ass. And we did, we did it. it. He, he came, came back to Columbus, and we, and we had a 35-day training camp. And he went from, he wasn't, wasn't in great shape, like he said. He looked like he always looked like he looked like he looked He was jacked. He was beautiful. He was beautiful. This and that. We're going to get it. We got 35 days to get that heart strong, Kevin. So I pushed him for 30 days, and I never seen a man. He was that freakishly talented. I couldn't, I couldn't break, break the dude. I, I, I could, could break him, him but, but I mean, anything I asked, he did. And, and in 35 days, he went, he went from a monster to a super monster. And we, we flew into Brazil, and we took, we took names. names. And we took names. The Hammer House is here. here. That's when I started the Hammer House. They said, well, call it the Hammer House. It was me, Randallin, and the Hammer House, and I just... Added names. names. I, I kept getting calls. People, people that need fighters. fighters. And, and I got a lot of people fights. I don't, I don't like naming names because I forget people, people that get pissed. But uh, um, uh, Brandon, Brandon Hinko was a was a main member in the Hammer House. Random and Royce Alger. Scott Shipman. Scott Shipman was early on. He had a ton of talent. He could have been a killer. But, you know, tough business. I think Nick Nutter was another one, right? Um... What Sims, Sims came along, um, Nick, Nick Nutter, Nutter, people don't know Nick Nutter, Nutter but I was coaching him in college wrestling. wrestling. I had my, you know, he never, never been in a street, street fight, fight in his life, life. but he's but tough. He's tough. Uh, <laughs> so, so I lined him, him up a flight, flight, a fight, a fight over, over in Israel. Israel. Wow, eight man tournament over in Israel. His first fight. He's got about three, four months of hammer house training. I don't know what he means. He's an accomplished college wrestler, but new to hammer house, new to fighting, fighting. Everybody had that itch. After I walked into that cage, every wrestler in the world, Dan Severn started it. Don Fry was a wrestler, but I was the first monster wrestler who promoted wrestling. We're common. And guess, guess what? what? <laughs> after, after I walked, walked out of UFC 10, 10 I won UFC 10, 10 when I'm walking out. out you know, you know, I, I can't, can't believe the cops weren't coming. I can't believe I got a belt. I can't believe I'm getting paid. I can't believe people are just really happy that I just beat the hell out of three dudes. But as I'm walking out, I said, damn, this sport, this is going to be the biggest sport in the world someday. If, if they can battle the lawsuits, because they, they were going through human cockfighting and all this and that, if, if they, they could get around that, I see this being, being a worldwide sport. sport. And whatever, whatever, whatever what else came, came to my head is I'm like, damn, the Russians, Russians are coming. Because, because I, hey, the, hey, the Russians, Russians are wrestling, wrestling. Hey, man, hey, man, it's, it's on. on. 
and, and I, I just transitioned, transitioned into, into the, the Russians, Russians are going to be coming. coming. Mm-hmm. And they, they came. The Russians, the Russians came. came. They eventually got here. Igor, Igor came. Igor, Igor was... Igor Chemchin was incredible. That guy got a losing record, record against the Russians. Russians. Not more respect. In wrestling and in fighting. But in fighting, my first Russian was Igor. Ukraine and Russia. Legit. And, and uh, he was a killer. killer. I mean, I mean he, he was a killer. killer. Knocking people out. out. You know, I shook, shook his hand. I watched, I watched Mark, Mark Kerr fight, fight him. I was in Kerr's corner. corner. I'm scouting Kerr. I'm coaching Kerr, but, but I know there's a good chance me and Kerr are going to have to go at it someday. But I'm also scouting Igor Volchanchin. And I, he beat Kerr, but my confidence went through the roof at watching that fight. Because I knew simple little adjustments, and I will... I'm not, I'm not going to stand toe-to-toe with Igor. How, how stupid, stupid would that, that be? I am going to take him down. And I'm going to crown around and pound the shit out of Igor, which I ended up doing. doing. You know, so, so Nick, Nick Nutter would go back to Nick Nutter. Nutter. Phil, Phil Broni, throw these names in there because people get pissed that I forget. Hammer House is an extended family. There's a lot of members in the Hammer House. Kerr was a Hammer House member. Mark, Mark Coleman, Coleman, Kevin, Kevin Randall, Mark, Mark Kerr, Kerr, three Hammer House UFC champions. champions. Pretty, pretty badass bad shit right there. Uh, Mike, Mike Van Arsdale, throw that name out there. He, he, he was a savage. And the list, the list goes on. on. I, didn't I didn't discriminate. discriminate. I mean, I, mean, I, I take aim at Matt, Matt Brown, Brown was from, from Columbus, Ohio. Ohio. I, was I was at his first fight, amateur first fight. I don't remember much about it. But I was there. He actually neck cranked the guy just like I did Dan Severn. He brings, he brings that up, up to me now, now because it, and it, but we, but never, we never. All, all Matt, Matt Brown would have had to say is, "Can I come train, train with you, motherfuckers?" motherfuckers? Hell, Hell yeah! yeah. And then, okay. a big weight difference. You're listening to a lot of heavyweights. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. He, I would have taught, taught him wrestling. wrestling. He was, he was a, stand-up a stand-up fighter, and jujitsu. But stand-up was his specialty. He needed to learn wrestling. Everybody needed to learn wrestling. When the wrestlers came. There was, there was a little, a little bit of drag period. period. Everybody wanted to be like, like Mark Coleman. Coleman. But I was a ground and pound. I was a late prayer. But now these other wrestlers, they all seen how easy, how easy it is. is. I, made I made it look easy. Going in dead easy, fellas. And, and laying pray, and pray became relevant. Everybody's saying, we need, we need to change the rules. It's getting too boring. I said, give it some time. Because everybody's going to have to learn how to wrestle. That's going to do... The rule, the rule changing. changing. You don't you want, want to. If, you, if, you're, if you're a stand-up, stand-up fighter, fighter, you want you to keep, keep it on the stand-up. Up, you better learn how to stop takedown. And that's, and that's what everybody's pretty much learning how to do. That's, that's why stand-up, stand-up dominates. dominates. Only reason, reason it dominates is because both guys, guys, guys know how to wrestle, and, and people want to be exciting. But if you take somebody down, ground and pound is exciting if you do it properly. But when you lay and pray, I understand. My boy Jorge Masvidal. No crotch sniffing. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you brought up a name earlier um, that I'd kind of like to expand on, uh, Richard Hamilton. Th- there's a lot of, like, mystery and um, I guess it's just kind of clouded, you know, his involvement with you and everybody else and his dealings. Um, could you expand on, on him a little bit, like who he was to you, what inevitably happened with him? Who? Richard Hamilton. I don't know. The guy that signed your contract for the Olympics? Oh, man. That CTE kicking in. Come on, man. No. It's a good story, Richard dude. Come Hamilton, on, man. Okay, I'm at, I'm at the 96 Olympic trials. 
made the 92 Olympic team. After 92, I kind of took a left-hand turn, you know, curveball. I was, uh, I was very, very disappointed. I choked. I lost. Took seventh. Well, I was crushed. I planned on winning them damn things. 27, in my prime. I was sick. I lived in the gym for 27 years. So I decided I'm going to take some time off. I took time off from the wrestling match. I didn't sniff a wrestling match for a long time. I didn't go on no freaking runs. When I say I took time off, I never missed a weight training session. Bigger, stronger. So I was in the weight room. I wasn't wrestling. I was sick of wrestling. I burned out, finally. But I kept getting bigger and stronger. And I seen the first UFC. Holy shit. That's my money, Horace Gracie. That's my money. Ah! How do I get in? How do I get in? And a little, put a little spark back in me. Started training a little bit more, a little bit more. I mean, time went fast. Next thing you know, it's 1996, and I'm still not in the UFC. And uh, I, I'm going to try out for the Olympic team in 1996. And uh, I drew Mark Kerr first round. When, when, after 92, after uh, I retired, uh, semi-retirement, whatever you want to call it, Mark Kerr took over my spot. He was the man for two years, and right behind him was Kurt Angle. I mean, these names are very big names. Kurt Angle was chasing me. I'm out. Now he's chasing Mark Kerr. So that battle was going on. But now all of a sudden, 1995, guess who reappears? I reappeared. I showed up at a tournament and sunk his open. I was bigger and stronger. I didn't have no gas tank. Kurt Angle had the gas tank. He could go forever. Well, I was bigger and stronger, Kurt. I'm back. I beat him in a tournament in 1995. I beat him in a tournament six months leading up to the world trials. I beat him. Only two to nothing, but it was a it was the type of two to nothing that sent Kurt Angle's mind into Fuck, I can't believe this dude's back. You know, I was doing a lot of stalling, but you're allowed to stall in wrestling. He couldn't score on me, man. I got two points, the match is over, Kurt. Yeah. I went back to my I went back to Columbus <laughs> and I didn't stay on task. I didn't grind like I wanted to win an Olympic championship anymore. I, I didn't I, I thought I was playing around doing this and that, but really I just I didn't have the eye. I showed back up at the world trials. And, uh, well, Kurt Angle won him. He beat Mark Kerr finally. He went on to win a world championship. Shame here I beat him with very little training. You know what I mean? But uh, pulled it off. Kurt Angle, you know, he made some adjustments. He came back six months later, big and strong. And uh, beat Mark Kerr. And then 96 comes around. We're in the Olympic trials. The UFC's getting closer. I, I got to get in there now. I mean, I'm pushing the panic button. All these trouble. You know, I got to get in there before this shit gets banned. So I go to the Olympic trials. I'm going to give it a half-ass attempt to try to make the Olympic team. I didn't prepare properly for an Olympic trials championship. And I had Kerr first round. I take Kerr out. I beat him one nothing first round. I, I wrestled Kerr three times. I beat him. Tech fought him in college. He was a freshman. I was a senior. The year I won nationals, I beat Kerr in the first round. People don't realize that. He should have came to Ohio State. He went to Syracuse instead. 
another great wrestler that Ohio State lost to another state. But uh, he's at Syracuse, I beat him. And then um, I, I wrestled him again uh, a few years later. I beat him like every time we got closer, Tech fall, it was like 10 to two. But I, he gave, I gave up a takedown to Kerr. I know I gave enough takedowns. He took me down, this young boy took me down. He's on my radar. And then 96, then he took over the weight class when I retired. Kurt Angle's chasing him. Now 96 Olympic trials is Kerr and Angle. They're the big names. Not a big name, but even though I didn't do the work. And uh, I took Kerr out in the first round, one nothing. Very, very two big monster dudes. Just can't make one of mistakes. The upper weights, they don't do as much back in the day. Mm -hmm. Lightweights all over the place. That's why wrestling was a little boring, because you, you, you pick and choose when you're going to explode. But, uh, so I beat Kerr. Angle was very happy about that because Kerr was the only guy that had a chance to beat Angle. When I took him out, Angle was like, yes. But he's still worried about me. Damn, I got to deal with that Coleman. I lost in the semifinals. I got thrown, I got pinned. I took Kerr out, I took myself out. Kerr Angle wins in the finals pretty much easily. Goes on to be the Olympic champion. But after that loss, it really wasn't that crushed by not making the team because I knew deep down I didn't deserve it. I didn't put in the work. And I was thinking about the USC. Now I had to find a way to get in that damn cage. And out of nowhere, Richard Hamilton, he was there scouting people. He was ahead of the game. He knew. He knew wrestling was going to be. He knew where the champions were. He'd seen Sever, he'd seen what Sever can do. He's seen what Don Fry can do, but he came and the UFC said to him, we'll give you a position in UFC 10. He showed up at the Olympic trials. I lost. Kurt lost. Erickson lost. While I'm walking off the mats, he introduced himself. He took me into this room, introduced himself. He has a slot. 35 days later, UFC 10, he's got a position. He's got to decide who he's going to put in that position. And I looked at it and I made it clear that I'm the man for the job. Who the hell else you looking at? He mentioned Kerr and Erickson, who both lost. I said, I'll kill them. I'll kill those two dudes. I've seen Don Fry fight. I will kill Don Fry. I'm the man for the job. I'm the man. I'm talking my way in here. Yeah. I want in that show. And uh, he's. He slapped over his contract, and uh, I said, where do I sign? I don't need to read it. Well, it took me fucking a couple of days to read that damn thing. I said, I don't care what it says. I want in. You know, because the UFC's about to get extinct. I felt that. I need to get in before it gets extinct. I don't care what this contract says. I'm sure Mark Kerr and Tom Erickson both want to take it home and show their attorney. Well, I don't need no attorney. I'm the man, Hamilton. Pick me, yes, you can be my coach. I'm not going to listen to you, but you can be my coach. What was the background on him, the controversial background? Well, you know, I didn't know who he was. He showed up, a real nice guy, religious guy, very religious, very polite. And, you know, whatever, you know, I, I believe, you know, you learn not to trust so much as you get older. You need to keep your guard up. But, uh, wow, what a nice, cool guy, you know. And flew me out to Arizona. I had a place to stay. I'm training in the gym, getting ready to walk into that cage. Obviously, I won out. Uh, you know, 
Erickson and Kerr. They didn't, they didn't want, want in that day. day. They, they had to think, think about it. it. I, knew I knew I wanted it. So, so he picked, picked me. I flew, I flew out, out to Arizona. Arizona. I'm, I'm hanging, hanging out with Richard Hamilton. And he's just a he's a pastor of the church. He's a pastor. Just a nice guy. You know, trying to show me a little bit about the arm bar. I had to figure that out a little bit, so I did pay attention a little bit there. But well, basically, I'm going to ground and pound these motherfuckers. And uh, uh, he shows me. We go to the show. I do that. During the fights, I never, never heard the man cuss or nothing. Never, never. But when I, he didn't, he didn't like Down Fry because he had actually cornered Down Fry in UFC 9, sort of. But Don, Don Fry left, left him. him. Dan, Dan Severn left, left him. Why? I don't know. I don't know why they did. Now, now I'm, I'm in the corner, corner fighting Don Fry. I'm in the finals fighting Don Fry, who he didn't like because he left him. And I hear Richard Hamilton, a different Richard Hamilton. He's yelling. Kill. That motherfucker, Coleman, smash him. How does that feel, Don Fry? He's just feeling. I was getting annoyed. I'm like, damn, who's this dude, you know? The devil's coming. I don't listen to my corner, man, but I picked up on that. He's just telling me to kill this man. He never cussed in his life, and then... I didn't, I didn't think, think nothing of it, but then I go out for the second camp, UFC 11, and I go back out to Arizona, and we're, we're driving to the gym, gym one day, and uh, I'm, I'm spilling my beans, beans about me not being the perfect Catholic citizen. So, so he, he felt, felt the opportunity to cut in, and he told me who he was. He told me his situation. He said, I'm not really Richard Hamilton. It's a... Uh, Witness, witness protection program, program name, fake, fake teeth. He was a big time drug dealer in New York, and uh, he ratted out a lot, a lot of people that forced him into being a witness protection. protection. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so I'm like, damn. Looking at the corner of my eye, saying, that changes everything. Don't it change everything? Yes, tap the break. pastor at a church or something, right? Pastor at a church. Christian, the whole shebang, but it was obviously a lesson, lesson learned. I had no problem with it, really. I didn't have no problem with who he was. If he would have told me from the beginning, I probably would have got along with him a lot better. But I had a problem with, for a month and a half now, he'd been lying to me, telling me he's Richard Hamilton, this and that. So now, when he cleared matters up, Okay, okay, I, I stuck, stuck with him. He was in my corner at UFC 11. But after UFC 11, I'm done, done with, with you, Mr. Hamilton. I got it from here. You know, I'm, I'm not, not coming out to Arizona. Arizona. I'm going to be training in Columbus, Ohio. Ohio. And, uh, well, 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 don't, don't forget, forget about that contract I signed. I didn't, I didn't care, care though. I knew, I knew this day might come. come. I, didn't I didn't care what, what that contract said. I knew I needed an end. But now, now, um, now, now Richard, Richard, I'm not coming back out for you for the UFC, UFC first, first ever heavyweight champ. champ. He wasn't in my corner versus Dan Severn. Or was he? I don't think so. Hmm. It's touchy. I might have waited until after the Severn fight because I kind of remember smashing his hand after I beat Severn. Was it him or not? I don't know. But, but it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. It, it doesn't matter, matter, but don't. Basically, I let him know. We're done, we're done dude. dude. 
We're done. We're done. I got this from here. Paid him what I had to pay him for those fights, this and that. But that contract, it, it, it had me pretty tied down for a long time. And, uh, you know, sure, sure enough, I get hit with a lawsuit, breach of contract. Oh, man. man. You know, that ain't no fun. You're going to go to court out, out in Arizona. Arizona. Um, uh, but it was what it was. Yeah. And, and I, I lost. lost. He actually, he actually uh, got, got in some trouble in between there. Yeah, yeah. What, what, he got, he, 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 he got, he got you know, charged, charged with, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, raping, raping a young, young girl. girl. I mean, I mean the, the girl, girl that was in his dojo. Just to get right to the point. But, uh. So it was like a child sex tra- was it a child sex trafficking or was it just an underage mm-hmm. allegation? That's kind of why we didn't like these karate instructors because they, they acted like they were God up there. And that's, and that's what he was. was. He had a dojo and bowed down to this guy, whatever. He hooked up an underage girl and he got caught. He got caught. And he's in prison, but he's suing me why he's in prison. You know, I, 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 I'm thinking, no, I mean, he ain't gonna win this. He's in prison. How can he sue me for prison? It don't, it don't matter if you're in prison. He was, he was right. right. I breached the damn contract, and he won a hundred thousand dollars settlement, which that's, that's fair. fair. He got, he got me in the UFC. Pretty, pretty much worth a hundred fifty G's. I don't want to give it to that son of a bitch, but ended up not having to give it to him because his lawyer's fucked up. That's good. 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 Hey, good. That's good. Yeah. 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 And you know, he's probably easy to find now too on some sort of registry as well. You know, you kind of know. Where, so now you know where he lives. So I went my, I went my separate ways. He wanted to build Team Phoenix. I was already thinking Hammer House was already on my agenda. And he can come out with all these shirts, shirts wear some Team Phoenix, Phoenix shirts in the cage. cage. I want to, my, my daddy made me some Mark, Mark Coleman Hammer House shirts. He cried. He cried about it. That's how good he was. He cried to me. Yes. He's like, oh, I made these shirts. I said, look, dude, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going on my own. Good luck to you. Severin left you. Why Severin leave him? Why did, Why did Fry, Fry leave him? Because they, they kind of... Maybe he meant to them who he was. But they, but they probably would have told me. But, uh, but uh, I don't know what, what he told them. them. Uh, they, they left him. him. I, left I left him. There was, there was a, a reason I left him. You could feel. It's a predator. Yeah. The, the creepiness in him. A lot of those traditional martial arts guys back in the 90s were cult leaders, basically. That's what I'm talking about. You know, cult. Whatever you want to call it. I didn't, I didn't know, know his story, his story until, until he told, he told me, me, but even, even before, before he told, he told me, me, I felt, I felt some, some creepiness in this guy. Severin left you, Fry left you. He was about to build the biggest empire ever. Somehow he blew it because he had Dan Severin, Don Fry. Now he's got Mark Coleman. Now he signed Mark Kerr. That's a plethora. Flat, yeah, that's the top, top tier. Well, yeah. but, he, but, he but he was looking, looking to, to, he could have 25, 50 of us badass wrestlers, wrestlers. but his, 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 it crumbled. It crumbled, and it crumbled when he got caught. Okay. You know? 
So, so you had mentioned uh, Japan and Pride before. What was the backstage area like as compared to uh, when you were fighting in the UFC? Listen, Listen. Can, I can I take a piss? piss? Go ahead, brother. Are we getting, getting any good footage here? This is fucking excellent. Okay. Well, I told you it would be good once we get started. Brother. Six foot nine, my doctor said, hey, you got to help this West Sims guy out. What the fuck? Because he, you know, he didn't wrestle. He, he don't know shit. He's a basketball player. I said, what do you want me to do for him? You know, I got a hammer house, but it's, I got no gym I'm running. That'd be way too much for my brain. Team hammer house. We trained at Ohio State. And we trained at this dojo, this and that. Well, so I, but I got a six foot nine guy. I said, hey, what Sims? I want to see what six nine looks like. He said, well, I'll be there in a couple hours. I said, well, what the fuck, dude? You know, I'm ready to go. I want to go get a workout in. Why a couple hours? He's like, well, I live. It's not good enough. Yeah. Well, he said, well, I live in Lancaster. I said, what the fuck? You live in Lancaster an hour away, you know. How am I going to be able to work with this dude? You know, I, I take everybody seriously. I mean, I, I work with him, but uh, he shows up. I answer the door. And when I look down at his feet first, I'm like, you know. Uh, what the fuck? That's way the fuck up here. But he was 215. Ricardo Rye 285. I said, what the fuck? You want to be a fighter, huh? What the fuck? Went to Ohio State. Russell room, just me and Wes Sims. We get in and I said, well, let's go. I don't teach nothing. We're just going to lock up and see what the fuck you got. Took him down. He can't stop a takedown. What the fuck? Boom, take him down, get in position. It's Olympic caliber wrestling. I put him in a fucking, I put him in a Dan Severn side headlock. And I'm cranking this motherfucker. He's strong, farm boy. 215, strong, farm boy. And I'm cranking it. Usually I tap people out in fucking five, two seconds. You know, boom, they tap right away. It's so much pressure. He's fighting it. He's fighting it. I cinch it up a little tighter. Fucking 30 seconds goes by. I'm cranking it. I'm getting tired, man. You know, my arms are getting tired. I'm like, what the fuck, man? I can hear him gurgling. He ain't tapping, you know what I mean? I'm like, fuck, man. This goes on. For, I'm, I'm not lying or exaggerating one bit. Three motherfucking minutes long, I got him in the same position. I'm not giving up, and I'm getting tired, you know what I mean? So I'm like, fuck. Finally, finally I said, God damn. I had to let go of the hold, and he fought it. You know, I'm like, this, he got my attention right there. But then all of a sudden, I went right back to it. Whoop. The second time. He, he tapped, tapped his neck. He got a better angle. No, no, no. He fought it, everything he had, the first one. He okay. had nothing left. Okay. And then I continued to whoop his ass for 45 minutes. Put an ass whoop on. Got a workout in. We're driving home. I don't know this dude. Well, what do you think, man? You think maybe you ought to go back to college? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I was just joking, kind of, but... You know, no, no, fuck that, yeah, man. I'm fine. I feel good, you know. Next, Next day, I figured he, his neck should have been falling off. Mm -hmm. He don't complain. I feel good. I feel fine. I said, well, get your fucking ass back up or I'll throw you around again. I need somebody. You know? So, I trained him for like 30 days. I was his coach. I was his master. I was his sensei. I was his hero. And I coached him like a wrestler. Hard.
hard, hard, hard. You want to be a fucking champ? This is what it takes. And, and one day I put, put him through, through, put him through a hell of a hard gauntlet. You told me about the gauntlet you threw him through. Just the stairmaster. All it was was a ten-minute fucking climb the real stairs. If you, the real stairs are different than the stairmaster. You can cheat on that. These are three rotating stairs, and if you don't keep up, you're gonna be on your fucking face. So I got, I got him like a fifteen-minute, ten-minute, thirty on, thirty off. Keep climbing faster, faster, faster. It's a hard workout. He, he gets, gets done, done with this bitch, bitch. He, he gets, gets off, off, and he's, Davis, Davis he's, he's like, like, you know, just, just looking at me, he looks at me, he goes, I can't do this shit. And I said, well, what the fuck, you just did it. Practice is over, you just did it. You know, staying tall, don't you feel great? He's like, not everybody can train like you, Coleman. I said, you just did it. You completed the workout, you're, you know. But anyways, you know, we kind of agreed, shake hands. I said, okay. I said, I'll be your manager. I'll be your friend. I said, good luck. I said, better find some coaches up here in Lancaster or dude. You know, you ain't got this shit yet. And, uh, well, Wes Sims didn't care if he had it or not. He comes back, he tells me, he goes, Fight, fight Dan Severn in, in two, two weeks. weeks. I go, what the fuck are you talking about? You fight Dan Severn, what, what? You know, I'm like, what the fuck? In hindsight, well, fuck yeah, I put him on the map. He got his ass whooped by Severn. He got his ass whooped, but I wanted to kind of milk him along a little bit. No, that wasn't Hammerhouse anyways. Don't let nobody along. Throw you to the wolves. All my boys got thrown to the wolves. We didn't turn down nobody. We're going to fight the best at first and find out what we got. A lot of times. A lot of times. Can you keep going here, Dave? Let's do it. Let's knock it out. You knew that story about Sam. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Jesus Christ. Also, well, plus, plus, by the way, way I said 215, I said, dude, because he, he loves it. He's going through his first ever high school sweetheart breakup. He was lovesick. He was a thin, anorexic, fucking skinny twerp. But he was going through lovesickness. But now he met me, changed his whole world around. He got over that fucking bitch. I said, look, dude, we got to get you up to 270. You know? The moon. When, when he got, got 240, 240, holy fuck, he was strong at 215. At 240, he was super, super strong, strong, but he didn't have my skills. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So, Mark, what was the difference in the locker rooms between uh, Japan and the United States? Difference in the locker, locker rooms. Um, was there a different feel, or was it all the same? There's a different feel in my locker room. Similar feeling, you gotta go out there and fight, so different atmosphere, but same emotions going through your body. But, um, so, Mark, after you left the United States, you went to Japan, and Saki Kabaro, who obviously is a pretty powerful guy in the sport of mixed martial arts, what was your relationship with him? Well, the, well, the UFC, UFC was, was the only game in town, game in town for a while, the UFC was the only game in town. And, uh, you know, I you know, lose three fights, fights and I'm lost. lost. You know, what, what am I going to do? do? I mean, I'm like, I'm a champ, champ, and all of a sudden, sudden people tell me, tell me uh, you're, you're done, done, you're washed up, up and then and, uh, your confidence is, is the most, most important thing. thing. Well, well, somehow, somehow I lost three fights, fights in a row. row. I can, I can figure, figure out why. why. 
you know, I had to, I had figure, to figure out, out why. why. If you don't if have a reason for losing one, then basically you just lost and you suck. suck. You know, I, you know, I figured, figured out the reasons why I started start training, training, but I had, I had to, I had to I find, find a place to swim and showcase my skills. And pride was a big thing. They were up coming, big, 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 big company. They, they, they searched, searched me out, out and uh, they gave me a shot. shot. You know, you know, Bar and the other, and the other people, people gave me a shot. shot. So I'm flying, flying in Japan. Japan. I got, I got a new life. life. And, and I, I trained, trained hard. hard. I prepared. I wasn't, I wasn't done. done. I knew I, knew I wasn't, wasn't done. done. But, but people, people write, write you off very, very quick. quick. I, I, I did the preparation. I got the opportunity to fight in the Pride Grand And I need to shut people up. People saying, I'm done. I'm not done. Prepared, prepared and shocked, shocked the world when the pride went pre. I can't separate the victories. UFC 10 was, was amazing. Off, off the, the cops, cops came coming. I just beat three dudes up. up. I get a, get a belt. belt. I'm going to get paid. How cool, How cool was that? that? UFC 11 was a little bit of a letdown, although it was kind of cool that they couldn't find nobody to fight me in the finals. People really were scared of me. It was a good feeling. This is this what is I wanted, wanted as a kid. kid. I want to be the best man, man on the planet. planet. You know, you know, I would like, I would like to fall to the finals. Tank Abbott would be nice to fight, fight him. him. Or for Rosal. They didn't make, make it. They couldn't make it in the finals. All of them didn't want it. Down Fry was in the front row. Down Fry's ass, UFC 10. He was in the front row, UFC 11. And they had nobody to fight me. They, they, they kept, kept coming, coming back, back and throwing, throwing names at me. I said, sure, I don't, I don't care, care who, who it is. is. I just want to get, 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 get this third one out of the way and give me, give me another belt. And my paycheck. And us wrestlers, we like the attention. We didn't get attention. I want some attention. Well, they came back and they said, Don Fry. I said, I said Don, Don Fry, Fry, what the fuck? He's sitting in the front, front row, row drinking, drinking some, some beers. beers. What do you mean, Don, Don Fry? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't say, say it like that. I said, I don't care. That's it's his, his problem. Because I'm going to beat his, beat his ass, ass worse. worse. I mean, that's, that's basically what was my plan. Don Fry, I just want to win, get my belt, get my paycheck, get back to Columbus and chill for a second. But um, uh, they, decided, they decided no, 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 no nobody. And then, and then Dan, Dan Severn for the title, title and then and three, three fight, fight losing streak. Now, now I'm in this pride. pride. I got a chance, chance to shine, shine again. And, and uh, uh, the pride going pre-2000 was as big as it gets. It was the biggest, brightest lights I've ever been at that point. At that point, Pride and UFC hadn't really pulled out ahead. Pride, like Pride was pretty huge. In terms of numbers. UFC was the cult, cult following. following. Everybody, everybody loved, loved it, except, except politicians. So, so yeah. it was the it was greatest, greatest sport, sport in the world. Yeah, they almost had their hand out, you know? They had, they had their hand out. Whatever, whatever. You, gotta you gotta fight, fight the battles. battles. You gotta, yeah. you gotta yeah. pay the fiddler. And, uh, well, well, Pride, Pride came, came along, along and, uh, well, they had they some money back then. Mark Kerr was over there. He left the UFC. He, 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 he got a lawsuit, he left, he breached his contract because Pride, Pride wants, wants him as their star. star. He's, He's over there, there in Japan. Japan. Uh, I was envious or jealous. jealous. Pretty much, Pretty much similar, similar word. I want what Mark, Mark Kerr was getting. And then they gave, they gave me the opportunity. opportunity. I went over there, there. and I seized, I seized it. it. I prepared. I prepared. 
in the Pride, Pride Grand, Grand Prix. Prix. I wasn't, I wasn't on anybody's betting, betting list. list. You know, a, lot a lot of people, people send messages, messages saying they, they bet on winning that thing. I'm thinking they're just maybe, you know, nobody wanted to bet on me. So maybe my mom and dad and a few close friends and myself. I bet on myself to win that damn thing. I was going to win it. And Mark Kerr was a good friend, a teammate, training partner. We had to go our separate ways, Kerr. We, we, we may have to fight in the semifinals here. And uh, it would have been a war. Hey, Mark Kerr was a bad dude. 100%. So, so when I was coaching him and helping him, I was also keeping my eye on him because I knew one day we might have to go at it. And when it started looking like more reality, you know, we kind of had to go our separate ways, which was an advantage for me because I was a good coach. And I, I could have coached Kerr into possibly being able to beat me, you know, but... Uh, when we went our separate ways, I did my homework, and uh, I wish Kerr would have did his homework because we would have. It's a fight that nobody got to see, me versus Kerr. Everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people said Kerr's just a bigger, better, more athletic version of me. Um, why, I, why didn't that super fight ever take place between the two of you? It was supposed to happen. The super fight with me and Kurt was supposed to happen in the Pride Grand Prix. But even afterward, were you ever Afterwards, things were different. After the Pride Grand Prix, he lost in the semifinals. I became the champ. Uh, now it's got to fall together. It just never took place. It just never became the matchup. Kurt went his separate way. He had his issues. Watch the Smash Machine. I mean, it tells a, tells a big story. One of the greatest um, documentaries ever. Um, um, I wish... That wasn't the case, but I showed up at the Pride Grand Prix 2000 ready to beat Mark Kerr, Igor Vochanson, Sakuraba, any one of them. I had my money on it. Kerr, unfortunately, he ran into some issues, which happened, and uh, he didn't make it. He didn't make it to me. He actually did me a favor by beating the hell out of Fujita. And I, and you don't get lucky. You create your own luck. You know, I, I created my own luck that night. I could have beat anybody that night, and I did. And then me, Mark Kerr, um, it's a question everybody's going to ask. Who would have won that? I had to bet on myself. Love Mark Kerr to death, but I feel like my mind was a lot more powerful than his. And uh, I'm not too sure he believed he could beat me. I knew I could beat him. And the mind is very powerful. I mean, but... Good friend, love him to death. We got a lot of stories. They're doing a great. Uh, the Rock's playing uh, Mark Kerr in a movie. It's amazing. I mean, it's amazing. Mark Kerr was, uh, he was willing to put out his life on record, on film, The Smash Machine, The Read. There's a reason it's the greatest documentary ever. Mark Kerr was willing to show stuff that I wouldn't have shown. Brutal honesty. Brutal honesty. Yep. I showed what I wanted to show him about my life. So I played this, I was this guy, but I could have easily been Mark Kerr. Just didn't show it. He showed it, which made it so, so amazing, so fantastic, so gut-wrenching, so turning. I didn't know, when I went to the opening, I didn't know what I was getting into. I know they had 500 hours of film, they're gonna crunch it down in an hour and a half and tell a story. Wow, it's pretty big time. And, uh, and Randleman's cameo at the end, too, was incredible. Pardon me? 
Randleman, they had uh, extra clips, and Kevin was given an interview where he talked about past sexual abuse that he had experienced. It was uh, incredibly powerful from like from a fan perspective, watching somebody so dominant, you know, the monster, just to come right out and say where his pain came from. Um, I, I watched that like the the clip of him saying that about five or six different times to to fully grasp it. Want to take a break? No, I'm all right. Monster. My best friend. My brother. My partner. Uh, some amazing times. A lot of great stories. I miss him. Everybody misses him. When the monster walked into a room, got a random. He made his appearance known. He had his patented. He walked into a gym. And he looked on the whole gym and all that. The monster's here with his patented gorilla scream. And he just <laughs> That was his entrance? <laughs> all the time. Everybody stop, look over, and get excited. Kevin's in the house. We both like to bring that kind of feeling into the gym. We... We thrived off each other. I pushed him. I was his coach. But eventually, he was my coach. Not just in fighting, not just in wrestling. We taught each other a lot about life. He had a, good, he had a lot of good stuff that was uncoachable. I certainly didn't want to come random and tell me about life, but uh, now that he's not here with us anymore, I look back and uh, I was so blessed to be able to hang out with him, coach him, train with him, and live with him. Um, special man. He needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, any man. A lot of guys are deserving, but I can't think of anybody more deserving than what Kevin Randall did. What he did was amazing. Go back. I didn't realize how amazing it was until he passed. Now when I see these highlights, I see how great he really was. Who in the hell can forget what he did to Fayron? Jesus. You're talking a quarter inch, a quarter inch from death. Of course, the Crow Cop. Those two stand out. They're etched in stone. They'll be remembered forever. But he did so many other great things. He needs to be in the Hall of Fame. I love that guy. I miss that guy. We're pretty tight. All right, so you also, while in Japan, you did something that you hadn't done here in the States, and that was pro wrestling. And uh, it appeared to be a little bit of a circus over there, like as, uh, a little more than it is here. You had a, one match in particular where, um, I guess, the, the pro wrestling match started to turn real. Well, I didn't know where you were going with this, Mike. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> uh, 
actually uh, pro wrestling in Japan, it, it's a hell of a lot bigger circus here in America. Uh-huh. They, they got, got it pretty organized down there. They got it pretty down. And it was more real. Here they got, you know, a lot of talking, a lot of hyping, a lot of hair flying everywhere. And in Japan, it was more of a, it was real. Let's make this look like a real fight. But also, let's add some big suplexes in. Suplex. I never suplexed anybody in my wrestling career. I wasn't a suplexer. It's risky. You only, you only suplex somebody if you're down by three or four. And you need some points. I wasn't a suplexer, but in pro wrestling, I became the suplex master because this, we're working together as a team. Wrestling, pro wrestling, something I always dreamed of and always something I always wanted to do. And in America, fighting came along. I had my shot. You know, uh, um, Shamrock made it big. And then Dan Severin got brought in there. He um, he did okay. At, you know, he just did okay. And then Tank Abbott, they brought him in there. And uh, he got paid three years and didn't even have to wrestle once because his gimmick just didn't work. It's just the way it goes. But he got three years of pay. I'm happy about that. He signed a good contract. Well, Mark Coleman was next on the WWE's list. But, um... <laughs> They heard, they, they heard some stories. They weren't true. <laughs> of course not. They heard some stories about Mark Coleman. They might be uncoachable. They heard he was uncoachable. And he's very... It was a party in Fremont. He doesn't do well at <laughs> Very coordinated, well-organized deal. And uh, they, heard, they, they, they kind of actually had a meeting with um, Eric Bischoff. And the big man's right-hand guy had a meeting... But uh, I, I think they, they came up with the conclusion that I was, was uncoachable. <laughs> so I did get my shot over in Japan. Uh, I, won I won the Pride Grand, Grand Prix. Prix. They didn't expect me to win the Grand, Grand Prix. Prix. So after, after I won that, uh, Pride was lost, man. They, they, they were scratching their head. What are we going to do with Mark Coleman as our champ? He's not our champ. He ain't got no charisma. He can't do shit. So the negotiations went on for nine months. I, I, I want, you got to get, get back, back in that cage after you win the Pride Grand Prix. you got to get back in there three months. You're, you're fresh meat. They want to see you again. But they didn't they didn't offer no pay. Same pay as before the Grand Prix. What? I'm the champ. So negotiations stalled nine months after. I still don't have no fight lined up. I'm still talking. Japan has me like a pro wrestle. I said, well, sure. I don't know if I could or not, but I figured I could. Why not? So they bring over there after the Winter Pride Grand Prix. I did a main event pro wrestling match in front of 30,000 people. I've never done it. I got there 10 days before the show. I assume I'm going to go over there for 10 days and get 10 days worth of training in, learning this craft. They didn't call me the first day, which I'm fine with because I was. Jet lag, yeah. I was jet, jet lag, and I enjoyed chilling in that bed. It's just, just so comfy. comfy. But then, then day, day two, they don't call me. Day three, they don't call me. I'm starting to get stressed because like, i got to perform in seven days now. I don't know what, what the hell I'm doing. doing. So, so I finally, finally called the company, company like, like day four. When, when am I going to practice this shit? shit? And uh, uh, the, the, the lady answered. She went to the higher up, higher up, higher up. Oh, Mr. Coleman. 
your, your opponent, Yuji Nagata, he's, he's not, not going to be in Tokyo until Friday. Friday. I, I wrestle on Saturday. Saturday. So he's not going to be here until Friday. Friday. I said, well, wait, uh, wait, wait a minute. Whatever. You know, I, I went, went with it. it. Just nine, 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 nine days of just uh, chilling in the hotel room, eating, sleeping, you know, just chilling. And then Friday night, I met up with the guy, and boom, we put you know, we, we, we made, made some, some simple plans, plans and it's, it's on, on. and uh, it's, 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 it's almost, almost every bit as stressful as walking, walking into that cage. cage. Cause Cause i got to walk into this ring and perform, and uh, uh, I didn't I know, know if I had the emotions or not, this and that, but when, when I got, got in there, pro wrestling's, uh, it's, it's a hard, hard dance and uh, the emotions came this and that. I got, I got the win. win. I beat a big superstar, superstar Japanese guy. guy. I got the pin. I got the three count. Stood up and uh, I didn't have to like act. It was, it was real. real. I just went 21 minutes without any practice. Pro wrestling made it look really, really good in my, in my opinion. I guess, I guess everybody was okay with it, but then I won. And, and uh, arm, arms, arms up, up, and it was almost as good as a feeling as winning the pride or the, the UFC. Nothing to beat set. Nothing to beat set. Well, this pro wrestling came second. I was like, I did it. I did it. I looked good doing it. And I walked back to the back room. And because of so much thinking you got to do in pro wrestling, you got to think so much. When I got back to the locker room, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure, sure I, I might have threw, threw up. up. You know, I, mean, I, I, I puked. puked. It was like, like such, such a relief. And, uh, it was tiring, tiring out there. Because, because you're thinking, thinking so hard. You're not just reacting, reacting like you are fighting. fighting. you got to think, think so much. You get, you get, it's very, very easy to get winded. winded. That's when you got to grab a headlock and tell the guy, chill out a little bit for a second. Great sport. Nothing but respect for those guys. Savage, savage, killer hard life. People, People think they can see this, be a WWE, WWE champion. champion. Oh, oh man, you gotta, gotta pack your bags up five times a week and fly into a different city and have, have them have, have something prepared. prepared. Very, very, very stressful, very, very hard on these guys. guys. I, hate I hate when people say the word fake. Fake, fake is, is by, by far, far the worst thing to call pro wrestling. Predetermined? Yes. Fake? No. These guys have neck injuries, broken necks, broken backs, broken shoulders, everything because. Shit, shit goes, goes wrong, wrong out there, there. and people, people get hurt, hurt. And it's, it's a tough life. life. You gotta, you gotta go grab, grab your bag, pack it up, get on a plane, plane fly to the next city. city. Fly to the next city. Stop, Stop being back, back at home, home for a day, day, day or two, two off. All that, oh, that day or two off, off goes so damn fast. fast. You're back, back on that plane heading to another city. So it takes a lot. Nothing but respect for these pro wrestlers. Japan, it was so awesome, so cool. I brought my buddy Ramblin into it. Duke could do anything. Ram could do anything. So we, 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 we became, became a tag team partner over there. We were the American, American dream team. team. Two killer <laughs> wrestlers. And we, and we were killing it. They liked it. We were killing it. But they, they realized they wanted to kill two time slots. Me and Ram together, we got one time slot. So they finally separated us because we were both good enough to carry our weight. Now we're singles wrestlers. Tag team was awesome. Now we're singles. He, he, 
ran around always, always picked up stuff from everybody. He picked, picked, picked up a little bit, bit and, and when he started, started pro wrestling, wrestling, he had a little Ric Flair in him. He had a little Macho Man in him. He had a little Hulk Hogan in him. He had a little Bill Goldberg in him. He had a little bit. He picked up from everybody. You know, I stuck to my three basic big moves. And they were big moves. So it worked out. But Randleman, he likes to shine. The guy shined wherever he went. Kevin Randleman shined. When he's about ready to compete, everybody in the arena somehow find found blonde haired. Uh, freaking nature monster. monster. <laughs> he might have jumped, jumped three feet, four, four feet in the air to get that attention. He didn't, he didn't actually, actually but that just kind of added to it. Eyes on him. Matt's back. So, I mean, that pretty much concludes it. Like, those are some of the bullet points. Jonah what, what about the Hall of Fame? What about, what about the... Hey, you missed, missed everything. everything. What's, What's your problem? problem? You got to cut, cut me off and get to the next question, question you know? dude. Dude, you never talked about the Yakuza in the wrestling. Well, I know. Uh, that's, that's a touchy, touchy subject. subject. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, dude, dude, this is just great stories. Story. Uh, yeah, 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 we're good. We're good. It's, it's a great story. I'm in there with a pro wrestling match with a Subu guy who don't know this shit is scripted. Yeah. And he turned it into a real damn fight. I was not prepared because uh, it was supposed to be a two-minute wrestling match. All of a sudden, he's, he's sumo-plowing me in the face and with his... Those sumo guys don't look like athletes, but that's he a wasn't real a, He wasn't your typical those sumo guys. guy. He was a 23-year-old, young, big, not many big, young, strong Japanese. He didn't look like a, the, the, your typical sumo guy. Now, I'm very respect for those guys. They're not fat, by the way. Yeah, They're huge right. monsters who have to eat 20,000 calories a day to be that huge. This guy was the change of sumo guy. He was the in-shape Japanese guy and uh, turned it into a real match. And, uh, and I hate this story because basically I had to, basically I said, I'm done. I said, fuck this. I left. You know, I walked out of the ring because he wasn't found the plan. And uh, caught me off guard once again. Got caught off guard. Don't get caught off guard. How many times do you think people tried to catch you off guard and it just didn't work? I guess check all my wins. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nobody planned on losing to me. But sometimes yeah. I got caught off guard too. Sometimes you get caught off guard. Sometimes you catch other guys off guard. Yeah, when I, when I was looking back at your record, I was noticing your your first day as an MMA fighter. The first day you went four and zero. I couldn't three think of three fights one night. Three fights. Not four. Three. Correct. Yeah, three. Eight man tournament. Three fights to be champ. Three and zero in one night. Uh, the Brazilian guys that were winning up to that point, they were coming in with records. And Huge had, records. And they had, Some manufactured. And they designed yeah. the rules. They were padded records, man. Yeah. It's called padding. Like the Fremont dude that whooped my ass on the streets, <laughs> he padded his record to 1-0, and but he was 0-1, actually. Yeah. <laughs> padded records. Yeah. Yeah, we got to find this guy. I, I, I'm surprised you and Marco Huas never went. It was, it, it's all about timing, you know. It's all about timing. I was always hoping to see Marco that. Me and Marco Huas would have been a great matchup, but it just never came together. I would have got him. I would have. I would have. I'm not, not going to stand in front of Marco Huas, but he ain't going to stop my double leg. And then I get worried about his jujits, which was pretty good jujits, but uh, the headbutt was the equalizer. 
It wasn't fair. It wasn't really fair when they had Bud was legal. So you freely admit, would you say that's the Mark Kerr rule or the Mark Coleman rule? The elimination of the headbutt. Mark Kerr learned it from me. (laughs) Okay? You know, Mark Kerr watched me do it and said, I need to add this to my repertoire. Because Mark Kerr, he didn't love fighting. He he did not love fighting. He was, you know, I love fighting. I mean, it was, this was the coolest thing ever. Mark Kerr did it because he was that good. He had to do it. He had no choice. He needed to get paid. Well, he didn't love going out there, but when when you stick Mark Kerr out there and, and the clock starts, well, he became, he showed the viciousness of Mark Kerr. He's going to stick his finger in your cut, try to rip your cut open, and if he has to, he's going to slam a Coleman headbutt into your face. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been hit by Mark Kerr. I love that guy. He's a great guy. Hopefully we're going to meet up here again soon. He's got the movie coming out about him. And uh, you know, I'm pretty sure there's going to be somebody having to play Mark Coleman. I'm going to have to go out there and teach some uh, some actor how to Mark Coleman acts, which is it's pretty complicated. I don't know if anybody in Hollywood's uh, good enough looking. You know, yeah. well, I'm not worried about looking. No, nobody's good enough looking, but can they can they be as cool as Mark Coleman? Is there an uncoachable actor yes. out there? Yes. <laughs> no, he better be coachable because I'll snap it. Jean-Claude Van Damme was supposed to play me in the Smash Machine. They were going to do a movie, uh, yeah. a made-for-cinema movie about the Smash Machine. It was all lined up, going to film it in Africa. Jean-Claude Van Damme they had playing me. I was not happy about that. What the fuck, 180 pounds, 175 pounds, like, I don't do no spinning back kicks, Jean-Claude. You got to take that out of your plan. We wouldn't have seen eye to eye. Me and Jean-Claude, we would not, he would have said, get this guy out of here. I got it's this. funny, he's known as the muscles from Brussels and he's nowhere near big enough. Well, you know, the, but the camera, the camera puts on 10 pounds, gives you 10 pounds, so yeah. they would have had to give him some, uh, some shoes to stand them up a little taller. But, uh... Check out the full interview on iTunes, Spotify, and all major podcast platforms.